0: Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. And we have an amazing show planned for you today. Happy Thursday to everybody. Happy Day Before Friday. The weekend is almost here, baby. And you know what? I know what you should do this weekend. You should watch Dave Chappelle's Netflix special. Do yourself a favor. It's absolutely incredible. It's so incredible. That's all we're going to talk about today. I'm going to break down the Dave Chappelle Netflix special, The Closer, and I'm going to do it with two of the best contributors on the show. Leonidas Johnson is back with us from yesterday. And my Asian brother from another mother is here in Nashville, (laughs) Steve Kim. I haven't. It's been a year since I've
1: seen you or more than a year. I don't even recognize you if you're not at Wally's. Yeah. And, you know, I I feel like Dorothy when he hit the uh, Oz, it's like and it's more than just curtains and buttons being pushed. This is amazing.
0: Yeah. Uh, And so, Steve, let me ask you this. Since you haven't seen me in a year, do I look I think I looked better than I did a year ago. I've been working on my weight, but I'm not sure because I left L.A. and my weight was good. And then I came here and started eating hot chicken And that You had any hot chicken since you've been in Nashville? No. Yeah. uh, I came here and started eating hot chicken every day and threw away a bunch of the uh, weight loss I had done and out in LA. But I'm now on the comeback trail. You know, go ahead, lie to me and tell me, like, man, damn, Whit, you look amazing. No, you look good. You look like a guy that played offensive line at Ball State. You look
1: like the guy that once blocked for Jeff George, the number one player, parade All-American that went to Purdue.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's, that's exactly who I Thank you so much uh, for saying that. But seriously, uh, we had all these plans. We were going to talk about X, Y, and Z. And then la- late last night, I was like, you know what? I need to watch... The Dave Chappelle special. And and because I want to Chappelle is important uh, as a comedian. And I don't know if I've ever shared this with the audience, but I've certainly shared it with people in private. Part of the conceit of this entire show is that two groups of people have let America down. And it's why America is in the shape that we're in. And it's my contention that ministers and comedians have let us down over the past decade. Ministers and comedians have been authorized and licensed to speak uncomfortable truths. And the ministers have gone woke, uh, comedians are afraid of being canceled, and the truth has been in regression or receding out of fear because social media has so much control over the American discourse and so from the pulpit, we don't get unvarnished truth, we get a, a compromised gospel, a gospel that lives in fear. And then from the comedic stage, from Saturday Night Live to every late night talk show, everybody's got the same punchline. Everybody just comes along and says, Trump! Trump supporters! Uh, and everybody just laughs out, oh my God, he said Trump! <laughs> and, and it's like, I'm tired of that joke. It's not, I'm not bothered by Trump jokes, but I need a variety of jokes, and I need both sides or the people that are being the most comical and crazy to be lampooned, because maybe that'll talk some sense into them. And people have seen me on this show talk about, I've written columns about like Bill Maher and what he's been doing on Real Time lately. It's been very important and, and I say that in all seriousness because humor is a good way to get at the truth. Humor is a good way to get at people that lie and make fun of them and make there be a price for being as ridiculous and stupid as, they, as they've been. And we get none of that from our professional comedians and that's why I sit around and applaud Bill Maher and say, wow, I appreciate you doing that. I, Greg Gutfeld on Fox News, uh, you know what they're doing. I applaud it. Uh but we need more of it. And now with the closer, Chappelle's uh latest comedy special, I think it's 72 minutes on Netflix. Dave Chappelle just wagged the biggest pair of balls I feel like I've ever seen from any celebrity. Uh Dave Chappelle has FU money and he used it properly with his uh special he just did for Netflix. I think it's the most fearless, courageous, important, and hilarious comedy special uh, that I've seen in quite some time. Dave Chappelle talked about things that we normally only talk about in private. Comedians certainly don't talk about it. Ministers, many of them have been afraid to talk about it. Uh, But a conversation that has been going on in private, particularly in the black community, and Dave's a, a, a black comedian, he brought them all to the surface. Uh, this Closer special, this guy goes after <laughs> Jewish people, he went after the LGBT community, and he went after the feminist movement. And as a black person, I was sitting back in like amazement, like you can do this on Netflix? (laughs) You can do this on the biggest comedic stage that we have in America in any stage that Dave Chappelle takes is a major platform. And he just talked about the three things that we talk about all the time privately. Dave talked about publicly and he's taken a lot of heat. I'm not... To me, I thought what I heard from Dave on this stage and taking the performance overall is that he doesn't care anymore. He crossed that line where he doesn't care if big corporations or the major sponsors ever do business with him again. He took some real risks, particularly his space Jews joke. And I was just been on Twitter uh, uh, today. He enveloped his whole thing around Two space Jews jokes, and I went online and looked, and like he's being called anti-Semitic uh, for cracking these jokes. I think it's being distorted uh, w- what he said, but he's being attacked and trying to be canceled for that. Certainly, I- I've seen the New York Post wrote a story about Glad and the LGBT people all being upset. There are people talking about quitting Netflix, and then he went after the feminists, and so. We're gonna get into all of that and break it down a bit more, but it is the most important comedy special that I've ever seen. Uh, and it's just well needed. To me, it's like, it's a ray of hope. It's a, uh, a, a breath of fresh air. It's water in the desert. It, it, it makes me think, well, maybe we will come out on the other side of this woke thing uh, because I see Chappelle, I see Bill Maher, I see other people breaking away from uh, cancel culture and social media. And Dave at one point said, you know, Twitter's not real life and not the real world. Um, I just thought it was amazing. I'm going to shut up and see if Steve Kim and Leonidas uh, completely agree with me or agree with me. I know for you know they enjoyed it, but... Uh, Steve, we'll start with you. Uh, What was your overall impression of what you saw from Chappelle?
1: I thought Chappelle got back to being who he is, which is funny. When you go to a stand-up set, no matter who you are, race, religion, uh, demographics, you better expect that at least one time you're going to be offended. And if you are, it's probably a great show. Your job as a stand-up comedian is to be social, to be political, but also to be funny. And that also means offensive. And, and you saw a guy, the recent death, God rest his soul, Norm MacDonald, he never went away from his base. Now, I agree with you about Dave Chappelle uh, having his own voice again and not wanting to become Chris Rock, who I don't think is funny anymore. It's really sad to see, okay? It, it, it's, he's at that stage now where he's given up reins of his own material but here's the issue, though, Jason. I don't know if it's going to lead any type of revolution, given the fact that the guys like um, him, Bill Maher, they're at the economic apex. As you said, they have F.U. money. Everyone else is just trying to make a living. And it's kind of like boxing in a sense that 98 percent of the money is made by 2 percent of the performers. A guy like Dave Chappelle, who's already etched his name or his face on that Mount Rushmore, you're right. He could probably walk away right now not make another dollar, and his great-grandkids are going to live very, very well. The other, let's say, 99% of those people that are trying to do what he does, they have to put on this performative wokeness, as I call it, to stay within the lines, not blur the picture. Is it approved by the certain masses? And if that happens, they, can, they are then allowed to make a living. It's interesting that Dave kind of framed it as his last performance. Well, a lot of people do that, from Too Short to Sugar Ray Leonard. They always come back. Rolling Stones have had, what, ten last comedy um, uh, concerts. So maybe Chappelle comes back in five minutes. I thought the last part of what he said was to the LGBT community is, look, I'm done with it, but I'm just wondering if you're actually making fun of him saying you've gotten me out of comedy or I can come back at any time and still say stuff about you. But be very mindful, in my view, Jason, until it is that middle class performer that's making a living but doesn't have a few money, until those guys
0: in mass have that type of message, I'm not so sure what really changes. Let me ask you this follow up before we hear from Leonidas. One of the things you said early on was you in order to be funny, you have to be offensive. And I think that a lot of people in this safe space society, <laughs> no, you don't. Being offensive is cheap, that, that you don't have to be offensive to be funny. That's just a cheap, easy trick. Anybody can be offensive.
1: Right, but you know, you can be clever. But when I, when I say offensive, it's like, to me, um, I, I relate to hip-hop. The greatest lyricist never cursed. And I always thought when you cursed, it was the cheapest way to do it. Not that I didn't enjoy Luther Campbell, but it was really Rock Him that I loved, because he was a wordsmith. Like, that guy could create a picture with words that was exquisite. And as someone that wanted to be a writer, you'd actually study what he did. But if you wanted to dance and get down, it would be Luther Campbell or MC Shidey or someone else. And, but I'm not knocking the music. But what I mean being offended is like, to me, if, if you see a comedian and you know he's going to make a couple of Asian jokes, you should have enough self-awareness to understand you are not immune from being made fun of. It's harmless for the most part. It's, it's only words. And the, the question then becomes, are we not allowed to laugh at ourselves at all? Uh, what I love about being in the boxing industry is still largely unregulated, it's unfiltered, and you have guys like Bob Arum, who really has a few money, who literally cussed out a reporter yesterday because he didn't like a question, and it was great. I mean, it's why I'm in the sport, that's why I still love being in it. And unfortunately, the other sports are so sanitized to a point, everyone becomes Derek Jeter. They become Captain Cliche, and it, and if stand-up comedians have lost that ability or that right to jab at someone to a point where other people are going to laugh and you're going to
0: laugh at your own expense, then we might as well just get rid of the whole form. Let me one more follow because I wrote down two things you said. <laughs> you said Chris Rock isn't funny anymore. No. Hey, no. elaborate. Well, well I, I, that's I've seen this with black comedians, and I and this is funny. It
1: comes up. I remember how Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy, when they were the young black renegades, were the funniest guys on earth. You're like, wow, they're doing stuff. Then what happened was, this is the difference. Then they became corporatized. And soon enough, Richard Pryor, whose funniest moments were probably when he strung out on heroin, all of a sudden is doing the toy and Brewster's millions. He became very suburbanized. Eddie Murphy, I thought, was an all-time great. My favorite cast member ever on Saturday Night Live. But then after Boomerang, he became the clumps. I didn't think that was very funny because he became family-friendly. So here's the difference. The old-school, all-time great black comedian specifically, I thought they became forced into a box of being family-friendly so that they would be famous in Peoria, as they say. Now what's happening is that the modern comedian of any race or color is now forced to be in a box of woke... And if you're not in that box, you're in trouble. And some of the stuff that Chris Rock has done, he's even admitted it, some of his greatest riffs um, would not be allowed today. And I think you know which ones. One of my favorite Chris Rock riffs is, well, I got a job. Good, what do you want, a cookie? Well, I raised my family. Well, good, what do you want, an award? If you say that now, they would actually come down on Chris Rock and Chris Rock for whatever reason, has bowed down and said, OK, I'll play within those new lines.
0: And it's unfortunate. He's not the guy he was in 1995. Yeah, he definitely won't. Remember he put out the video, How to Not Get Arrested or Killed by the Police? Oh, look, yeah, He would never. <laughs> one of the most
1: underrated shows of all time on HBO was the Chris Rock show. It was a half hour show. And, and he still has this interview with Don King. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. But he would make fun of everybody. And he had Ashy Larry uh, as one of his sidekicks. And then he had uh, that, one mo- uh, that one character that no one understood. Um, that they made a real bad movie out of. But it was a fun show. Pootie Tang. yes. And it was hilarious. I never understood a single thing that guy was talking about. But it was funny. Now, Chris Rock, I don't believe, wants to offend people for some reason.
0: Yeah, you know, it's funny. I think it's been in the past year yeah, in the past year, I re Don't Be a Menace to Society While Drinking Gin and Juice in the Hood. Oh, what a movie. What a and movie. It, it's not, and it's still hilarious. Right. Every joke, I'm sitting there like, can't say that now, can't say that now, can't crack that joke down, can't do that. And the stuff is still hilarious. And it's like, what happened to us? All right, Leonidas, I've made you wait long enough. It's
2: impression- all right. I'm in the audience. This is entertaining, doesn't it?
0: Your impression of Chappelle's...
2: Yeah, uh, there's there's a scene from The Office where Michael gets in trouble for telling an off color joke and uh, they're like, you can't say that. That's offensive. And he's like, of course, it's offensive. It's a joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, and, you know, we talk all the time how The Office can't be produced. There's all kinds of stuff from back in the day that we can't we can't do today because of wokeness, because of wokeism. It just uh, people are very, very insensitive. I am not a Dave Chappelle fan, okay? So I'm going to be the odd. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm going to be the oddball out here. Really? I'm going to be the oddball.
0: Dave lives in Ohio. You got a bald Listen. head like I Dave. Know, I know. All right. All right. I'm like Dave's little brother. He may not even like the Buckeyes.
1: Yeah, I mean, jeez. Oh, no. come on, Steve. Let's not go that far.
2: But you know, okay. So even though I'm not. Uh, Dave Chappelle fan. I, I appreciate what he's doing here. Be- Pushing back against the wokeness, pushing against back against the political correctness. Let me and stop
0: you for a second. Why are you not a Chappelle yeah. fan? <laughs> That's <laughs> it's the not, fascinating part.
2: Okay, right it, uh, it's not it's not my type of comedy. I mean, he's he's raw and he's you know the I don't agree with a lot of stuff that he talks about, and you know I, I some of the stuff that he some of his material some of the stuff he talks about is eh, I just don't like it. It just doesn't appeal to me. Uh, so watching watching his special for me uh, it was it was more of a you know I'm trying to break down the elements of it and the philosophy behind it and you know that whether you know thinking about the transgenderism the LGBT movement wokeness of course because that's the big picture because he's pushing boundaries and doing things that are that are courageous and brave uh, you, you know to be said he he has f u money but, <laughs> but I mean still For him to come out and do that and knowing what kind of response he's going to get from it, even for, you know, for me, that's not a Dave Chappelle fan that's just going to offer some criticism to him, but definitely from people that hate him, uh, that are waiting for him just to make a tiny little step out of line. And he's like, okay, here it is. I'm just going to drop this atomic bomb on you. And now you, let's see what you do with it. So I appreciate that he did that. Um, Even if I do have some uh, reservations about the the special itself.
0: What do you think about my narrative that ministers and comedians, that their job is to say uncomfortable things based in truth, and that that actually creates the freedom for the rest of us to have conversations that we need to have that are healthy. And and again, that's just like, when Chris Rock does the thing years ago about, hey, here's how you don't get beat up by the police. Yeah. Again, it gives all the rest of us the room to say, you know, (laughs) the police are bad, but, you know, you could behave in a different way and maybe the police wouldn't be this bad. It creates the room for that type of conversation where now, where comedians don't tell the truth, ministers don't tell the truth, everybody has this very fake conversation about almost everything and and so just sticking with the police brutality thing and and we have this fake conversation now where we sit around and act like (laughs) uh, george floyd was perfectly appropriate resisting arrest for 30 straight minutes Uh, and he played absolutely no role and uh, how dare the police do anything extra trying to subdue him Eric Garner. Uh, how dare they wrestle him to the ground? Didn't they see he didn't want to be arrested and he had every right to fight the arrest? We, what do you, My narrative that whatever you think of Chappelle, uh, comedians and Chappelle in particular in this deal, creating the room for the rest of us to have real conversation. Absolutely. Uh, Jordan
2: Peterson says, and I'll start off with this point, he says... That you know if you're going to speak you 're going to offend somebody that 's just the way it is there's no matter what it is, what the topic is if there, if enough people people hear you say something, somebody in that crowd is going to be offended. so the idea that you can say something and not offend somebody is not it's not reality now, ministers have an absolute responsibility to tell the truth, no matter. What? No matter whether somebody's offended or not, that 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 shouldn't even be on the table. Well, we we can't say that people might get their feelings hurt and leave the church. That happens. People tiptoe around certain topics and they they're very uh, politically correct with the way they approach things, especially now. And uh, the ministers definitely need to be bold. Comedians. The way it was in the past, comedians were able to say things that other people weren't. And like you said, I think you said the key word was, was conversation. So even if you didn't agree with it, it opened up the door to be able to talk about it. And, you know, the comedians had that sort of uh, license to be able to talk about things that, that weren't that we weren't able to talk about in pleasant conversation, you know what I mean? And and take a particular perspective. And comedy is so important because it cuts through the bullcrap, you know? It it really gets to the heart of the matter. That's why I love Babylon B. That's why I love sat- satire because it really it really is able to get you to conceptualize a, a certain issue and uh, do it in a humorous way so that it, 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 people really internalize it. And so, it's an important avenue to go, then even if, like I said, even if you don't agree with it, then it at least opens up the door to conversation.
0: I want to make this point, and then we'll transition into a, a different discussion, but you guys can f- follow up. One of the most important things Chappelle did in this, the Closer comedy special, and he did a lot of important things. I'm not even sure if this was the most important, but early on it was like, whoa! Whoa! His joke about the baby, the rapper, <laughs> who can kill a black person mm-hmm. inside of a Walmart or wherever he said it happened—I can't remember—and that do no damage to his career, but the baby going on stage and saying something that hurt the feelings of LGBT people. Uh, Damn near has his career in jeopardy, and he, the the gist of his the early part of his comedy is that he's here to kind of negotiate a settlement to get the baby's career and life back, and he eventually ends his comedy special basically talking about that again. It's just like we need to come to some sort of peace agreement, and 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 he's trying to. I was talking to someone that was arguing that uh, you know he was. Making a bunch of excuses for his jokes that Dave was and was trying to defend his right to make those jokes and, and 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 the person was arguing that like he shouldn't have done that. He you know, he he was backpedaling too defensive. And I was like, nah, I think he actually was brilliant in what he was trying to do. He was pointing out that like, hey, look, this LGBT group is is diminishing like what's really going on with black people, because again, we've created a society where killing a black man, if you're black (laughs) and kill a black person, is less offensive than saying a joke that makes the LGBT community uncomfortable for a few seconds, or the LGBT. Well, they're creating, contributing to a culture that's hostile towards our lifestyle. And and so, but Chris Rock's point is like, well, killing black men indiscriminately and without anybody objecting, anyone caring, is creating a culture where black men can be killed indiscriminately without anyone caring. And so I just, this thing that Chris, uh, that Dave Chappelle did was like the greatest column, essay that I've ever read. And it was spoken on a stage. It was so well-crafted, so I'm not even sure people got it all. It was so deep and heavy that some of it went over my head. Uh, that uh, it's like Steve pointed. Out, I didn't get the uh, the joke about the fight on the inside between the <laughs> the China virus and and black people. I didn't get this thing was so layered and so heavy and so important and so funny. I, I just I I don't I don't know if I've seen anybody on the comedic stage, me personally, operate at that level. I've seen some comedy specials that maybe I thought were as funny or funnier. You know, I think of some of delirious Eddie Murphy from back in the old days. Maybe I laugh more, but Eddie wasn't making no great points. He wasn't taking on the establishment and popular culture and he wasn't taking the kind of risk that we just saw Dave Chappelle take in the closer. We're gonna go a bit deeper, quite a bit deeper into this because we haven't even broken down like and we're going to here in a second, Dave basically calling out Jews in Hollywood. I'm just gonna say it uh, as honestly as I can. I'm not trying to be offensive. I don't want uh, the Jewish crowd upset with me and calling me an anti-Semite. I'm just gonna discuss, or we're gonna discuss, what Dave Chappelle did and what it means and its significance uh, don't go anywhere, uh, cause one, I need to tell you about my best friends over at Good Ranchers. Uh, from their family feast bundle to their prime seafood and ranchers classic, our friends over at Good Ranchers can and will provide an amazing set of meals for everyone in your family. They bring you the best free range chicken and grass fed and grain finished cattle <clears throat> and where it all comes from, farms right here in America. Everything that they offer is truly 100% American farm-raised right here. The taste, the quality, the whole nine yards is incredible. You guys know I've been eating uh, a lot of Good Ranchers food. It's helped me uh, with my diet. It's helped me eat a better quality of food. It's helped me lose weight. Uh, But more than that, I need you guys to support Good Ranchers because they support me. They support this show. You keep asking, and people keep looking for ways. How do you push back against this woke agenda, this Marxist agenda? You gotta support the businesses and the people that support support your worldview, your America First worldview. Don't be ashamed of that. Don't let the media convince you that supporting America First is somehow anti-American or somehow racist. It's not. Good Ranchers supports American farmers and supports America and supports this show and these kind of courageous conversations we're having today. That's why you need to support Good Ranchers. Do it to support me. Do it to support this show. Do it to support yourself. Go to GoodRanchers.com fearless to get $20 off and free express shipping. That's goodranchers.com slash fearless. All right, welcome back. Uh, what you're about to hear is why this show is called Fearless. Uh, and it's a discussion that uh, no one else who no one else in the media, who has, uh, particularly in the sports media or any segment of the media, that's reached my level, will will have this discussion. That's not me patting myself on the back. That's me telling you why you need to be listening to this show and supporting this show, because we try to cover it all, and and <clears throat> you know. I'm doing this discussion very carefully because I know how dangerous it is. And that's why I have so much respect for Dave Chappelle. Uh, He really covered the third rail in his Netflix special, The Closer. And it, it was sandwiched, his special was sandwiched between two massive jokes that had serious points about Jewish people. And, and there is a conflict and there's struggle and tension between black people American, in America and Jews. It rarely gets talked about in a public space. It rarely gets lampooned uh, the way Dave Chappelle did uh, on this Netflix and it's one of the main things that happened and made me say, Dave really just don't give a care and Dave really might be done here and maybe just like if this is it, this is it. So what? Uh, But he cracked some jokes where he space Jews joke about a movie. It started. The first reference was about uh, a movie about some people that leave Earth and come back to Earth to take it over and run the planet. And he said, yeah, and I'm making it is going to be called Space Jews. Then an hour later, he circled back and made an analogy to uh, a a freed black slave who went on to own land and then become a slave owner. And anyway, I think we have an excerpt from this last Space Jews joke. Let's play it and then we'll talk about it. Uh, When he got all that money, bought some slaves. <laughs> you ever heard this before? This is a true story. Not only was he a slave owner, he became a slave breeder and employed tactics that were so cruel, even white slave owners were like, yo, my man. <laughs> he was a wild dude, but he did it just because that's what successful people did at the time. And he just wanted to be down. What a tragedy. How can a person that went through slavery, perpetrate the same evil on a person that looks just like him. It's mind blowing. And shockingly, they're making a movie about him. Ironically, it's called Space (laughs) Jews. I I couldn't believe it that he went there. I've looked on social media and I'm looking at people all over Twitter, uh, portray Dave as anti-Semitic for going there. Uh, he knew exactly what he was doing. I've had to explain this joke to some people uh, today that it, they didn't get it. They, and I've, I've looked online and a lot of people are making an analogy saying, oh, he's talking about the Jewish-Palestinian conflict. I don't think that's what he's talking about. I don't maybe I'm not calling Dave stupid cuz he certainly isn't the guy's brilliant I don't think Dave is someone that cares that much about the Middle East I think Dave's focus is right here in America and if you just look at Dave's the the narrative arc of his career and controversies going on Oprah Winfrey after coming back from Africa and abandoning the $50 million contract from Comedy Central, and basically going on there and complaining like, man, everybody in Hollywood is trying to get me to put a dress on. It makes every black comedian, uh, black male comedian put a dress on. When Dave was complaining about the direction of the Chappelle show and all the pressure, Dave was talking about, not by name, but he is now, (laughs) white Jewish people, in Hollywood that he's having to answer to, that he feels like are trying to emasculate him and trying to emasculate uh, other black comedians. And then if you've lived out in LA or been in the entertainment world for any length of time, the conversation off air, not on air, all the time among black people and black public figures and people you see on TV, the music industry, and who's actually controlling the puppet strings in the music industry where, and you've heard me talk about this before. I'm not sure if it's specific to this show, but on other shows, I've talked about this publicly and I've written about it. The music industry, when Michael Jackson tried to use the word kike in a song, and he wasn't doing it to deride or denigrate Jewish people. He was doing it to call out uh, racism against Jewish people. But he tried to use that word in a song and the music industry shut Michael Jackson down. There's never been a stronger force in the music industry than Michael Jackson. He couldn't say the word kike one time in a song. But the music industry allows, promotes forces celebrates black rappers saying (laughs) the N word constantly. They promote the killing of black people, drug dealing among black people, disrespect for black women. All of this is littered in the music industry. And black people, and Jewish people have a long history in the music industry. We heard Ice Cube rap about Jerry Heller and NWA years ago and who's really calling the shots. And so what you heard from Dave was like what he said on that stage And I'm sorry if it pisses people off, but it it didn't have a damn thing to do with Palestine. That's a distraction trying to paint Dave as some kind of anti-Semite. Dave was talking about what's the real conversations that have gone on for years. Like, damn, y'all dealt with some oppression and now y'all over here in America, treating us framing black people the way German Nazis frame you. You're the degenerates of this society. You're the clowns, the buffoons, the worst people in this society. You have to celebrate that in your music. You have to, if a black man, you have to put this dress on to do comedy. That's what Dave was railing against. That's what the space Jews joke was about. It wasn't about Palestine. And this again goes back to why I keep saying this was the bravest, ballsiest, most important comedy routine I've ever seen. And it, again, when I keep talking about it, it opens up conversations and this is why comedians are so important. Dave and what he said about Space Jews and those jokes open up the conversation that we're having right here today to talk about things that aren't supposed to be talked about, but they're real and they're going on. Black people's relationship, particularly in the entertainment world, with their Jewish executive handlers, bosses, whatever needs to be discussed. Is our relationship proper? Are are, are we being held to a different standard and forced into a lane that no one else is being forced into? And who is actually doing that? I'm going to throw that grenade over into you. (laughs) all. Steve, I'm going to let you collect yourself a little bit more and let Leonidas go first. Well, thank you. Thank you.
2: Look, I, I, I absolutely believe that there is a movement in our society to emasculate men, to feminize men and to see masculinity as this toxic force that needs to be eradicated. That is an absolute force that's happening right now. Uh, as far as who is behind it, that's that's a little bit trickier. I mean, it's it's obviously the woke progressives, but to try to nail it down to a p- particular ethnic group, I think is a dangerous game to play. Uh, to say that, well, like Jews operate as a collective. Uh, I mean, obviously you would see the problem with that if we said, well, like look at the black people doing this and see black people as this collective unit that only think and act and behave a certain way. Uh, we wouldn't want to do that for black people, so we shouldn't want to do that with Jewish people either. So uh, I that would be one of my criticisms of, of how he approached that. If he was very if he was being specific about certain people in the entertainment industry, um, I, I think it would have been he should have been specific about it. Yeah, like rather than make it this generalization because well he knew that they were going to come with the anti-Semitic attacks. He had to know that. Um, so it's hard to know what he was thinking if he's trying to be effective on that end i don't i don't see how that helps the message because people are going to take it wrong people are going to take it like well you're just going after the jews you're or like the jewish palestinian thing that's that's a weird angle to take i don't know how people got there but i mean people were going to take all kinds of different avenues and interpret it different ways and probably not the way that he actually intended but just generally from an identity standpoint Um, what we try to do as Christians is try to get away from that. We try to pull away from uh, collectivizing people and seeing people as group identities. So uh, I would not want to say... It's like, oh, the Jews are responsible for this or the, the, or the Jews in, in the entertainment industry are responsible for how black people are treated and just you know, collectivize everything but to be more specific about who you're talking about and not see them as the external.
0: Let, let me push back and say this, because I, I thought and I agree with you to to some degree, but I disagree in, in this respect. I don't think. He can be accused of. Trying to collect. Well, yes, he can be. He, he can be appropriate clues of, of the collective of Jews. But but what I would say is that take Leonidas Johnson and Jason Whitlock. We have no problem saying black on black crimes a, pro- uh, a problem. We don't say that uh, some individual shooter we don't. You know, Leroy Washington is the problem. or June Bug Richardson. We say black on black crime. And so collectively we talk about black people and a level of crime we seem to be involved with against each other that is damaging us. And so I'm not sure if it's a thousand percent unfair to have the conversation to say, and and what Dave, I believe, is saying with these jokes, and I do know in private, off camera, the out in LA, the Hollywood area, I've lived out there. I know what black people talk about privately. Mm-hmm. About who's in control of the music industry, who do we answer to. And A lot of times people will call out, Jimmy Iovine, that's Dr. Dre's partner. Mm -hmm. Jerry Heller, who was was uh, involved with NWA and EZE. But I don't wanna be in denial of black on black violence being a problem. I don't wanna be in denial that perhaps our relationship as entertainers in the entertainment industry is not healthy or appropriate when it comes to Jewish executives. They are powerful in Hollywood, in the music industry, in the age, I I was been repped by CAA and a bunch of, they have a lot of say so and power and control and, and I don't wanna be in denial, I don't wanna miss discussing that because maybe it's the only way to correct the problems in terms of why why are, the music industry thing has just amazed me for a solid 30 years. Yeah. When, they, when they shut Michael Jackson down over that word and I was sitting there like, as many times as I get called the N word in music, and this, Michael Jackson can't say this one word? I, I'm just, for, for me, and again, that, that's like Dave's point with uh, the LGBT community is like, why? There's a special standard for black people and what we must tolerate. You can kill us indiscriminately, randomly, constantly, and we can kill each other. And no one will talk about it. The media, everybody ignores it. And, and you can say anything about us in music. No one will put a stop to it. But if Michael Jackson says that word once, he gets shut down in his tracks, it has to be discussed.
2: I will... I will agree with you absolutely with what's going on in Hollywood in the music industry. And I, when I was, while you were talking, I was thinking about Lil Nas X and his music and the satanic bent that he has and the LGBT bent. And then Black Lives Matter, which is more of a LGBT organization than it is a, a Black Lives Matter organization. I mean, there's all these examples that, that prove your point. The question I would ask is, Is particularly with the executives in Hollywood, uh, then maybe there is improper relationships there. And, you know, if they're the executives, they're responsible for what's coming out. So yeah, I would hold them to account. Absolutely. But is it because they're Jewish? Like is, is the Jewish part, the important piece of the puzzle? Like it doesn't even need, you talked about black on black crime. Um, Black people aren't killing black people because they're black. That's that's not the important piece. But it's a, it's
0: important to debunk I'm gonna disagree the narr- with you there. debunk the narrative. I'm gonna disagree with you there. Okay, I got you. I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you why. If if the gangster disciples, the Bloods and the Crips uh who are they killing? Black people. Yeah, they're not killing any. They're not not very many white people, and and maybe you say, "Well, they don't live in the same neighborhoods. They got cars. Yeah, bullets travel. (laughs) They don't. The bullets. Oh, we're in the wrong zip code for you to shoot and kill anybody." And so, I do think black, and again, this would be. I I don't want to speak for Chappelle. I'm gonna speak for myself. We've created a culture where you can get away with killing black people and no one will care. And that's why the Bloods, Crips, Gangster Disciples and other black people are so comfortable killing black people. You just said the key word, I think, and that's culture.
2: And I, I because most black people don't engage in that stuff. Most black people aren't in the hood culture and those black people aren't killing each other or, you know, engaging in those degenerative behaviors. So when you think about black, a black person like me or you, like we're removed from that. That's not us. You know, like we're not we're not associated with that. But when we're talking about cultural issues It's a subculture, right? So when a black person kills a black person, the only reason, uh, the point I was gonna make before, the only reason that we really bring it up, or I mean, why I bring it up, is to debunk the narrative that uh, white people are black people's most, Dangerous enemy. You know, that's the biggest adversary is, is the white supremacist. Whenever there's, you know, last year there were 10,000 black homicide victims almost. So it's. The culture is the most culture. dangerous enemy. It's a cultural issue. So, I mean, maybe there is a cultural issue. I mean, well, there definitely is a cultural issue in Hollywood. But my question would be is it related to being Jewish? Like, is is that the key point or is there something else? Well,
0: who are the gatekeepers of the culture? That, that's the... And again, we should be able to have that discussion. Who are the gatekeepers? Who's calling these shots? Who, who sits in the room? What group of people? And maybe it's not Jewish people. I don't know. Yeah. But who sits in the room and says, Michael Jackson, you can't say that word. But Snoop Dogg, you must say this word. Fifty million times in your catalog of songs, or we won't play it on radio. Mm. Hmm. Who? who, There is some gatekeeper, and and again, I've had a lot of conversations around this, and and people keep saying, "Well, it's Jimmy Iovine, he's a gatekeeper." Oh, it's Jerry Heller, he's a gatekeeper. It keeps, and I'm sure there's also look, uh, Russell Simmons gatekeeper. They let him into the club. He's black. Uh, Quincy Jones, gatekeeper. Uh, so there are some certainly non-jewish gatekeepers uh, involved here. There's some black gatekeepers involved here th- that you know, Jay-Z, gatekeeper.
2: yeah
0: uh, but who let him into the club? <laughs> who gave a key to the gate? Steve, I I, I don't know if you're chomping at the bit to get in here or you... (laughs) No, I mean, I'll step on the grenade and get it blown up. But I think the overall point was, the analogy
1: he draw was that the slave became the slave owner. And so, and he became very, very cruel to his subjects, his own slaves. So it's almost like the oppressed become the oppressors. So it's what's that old saying about absolute power absolutely corrupts? And I think that's what he's saying. I don't think this was a commentary on the religion, or the faith, I don't think in the Torah, or the beliefs of, <laughs> during Hanukkah, they don't have like this thing about, let's make, uh, let's let like, ruin certain people throughout the industry. But the broader point that I think Leonidas has talked about this in terms of the culture of black on black murders or how it's accepted, the word is normalization. Mm-hmm. I think that's the big key. And I know you've done a lot of videos on that and yeah. has others. The one thing that's interesting is when you say, do we have to be specific about it? It just kind of popped up to my mind, you know, especially during the 90s, during the soon Jadu Natasha Harlan's things. That was a big story, especially in L.A., and they would always whoa, whoa, say, whoa, whoa. just don't say, explain that. Well, Natasha Harlands was a young lady that got gunned down by Soon Ja Do, a Korean liquor store owner. Her she, was her, work, yep. she was working the she didn't own it, but she was part of the family. And it was so funny because for all those stories, they'd always say Korean liquor store owners. I'd be like, that's a redundant term. That's like 90 percent of them. <laughs> Let's just be honest about it. And there was a big issue. And so, like to your point, you don't have to be so specific about it. You kind of know when you say liquor store owner and a uh, an incident, you kind of know who's involved. Um, that, that's kind of what I would say. And also, the other thing is, in terms of like the black male image, I was just thinking about this as you guys were going back and forth. He brought up Little Nas X. The other one I'd bring up is Billy Porter. My yeah, question Billy is very Porter. simple: yeah. Who is the white version of Billy Porter? Who's that equal? They don't do this. And I've noticed this. And um, you've had discussions with Curtis Schoon in the past is how they frame black men and their image. And I'm seeing a lot of it where they're not allowed to be Fred the Hammer Williamson. OK, they're not doing that anymore. It is Little Nas X. It is Billy Porter. And who's the white version? Who's the Latin version? Who's the Asian version of the Billy Porter I mean, he wears these long, flowing dresses. They're all elegant, and they're very nice, I guess. But he's trotted out there, and like, I don't even think he's a B-list actor. But for some reason, every time he's on the red carpet, he is given a stage.
0: Why? Uh, I w- because he's the grandson of RuPaul. I really? mean, RuPaul's been... <laughs> did RuPaul make some movie that I'm unaware of where he won an Oscar? Is he some comedian? Was he a singer? Was he... RuPaul has been famous for being black and is he trans? I don't know. Or is she or is RuPaul RuPaul still a man? I think I I, I don't know. But <laughs> has been famous for being gay or transgender or what that's been their only as far as I know their only gift, their only skill mm-hmm. is their sexual gender identity whatever and, and so that's like, and again, this is the thing that Dave is talking about, and it's why he went after feminists uh, and, and the gay community is because those, there's a lane we're being pushed in, and Dave is a masculine man, and he sees like, wow there's only one lane that this industry is comfortable with me being in. And he's railing against all of that. And from the feminist movement to the LGBT movement to what he clearly thinks is a Jewish element that he starts his uh, comedy thing off saying, they've come back and taken over the world. And, and then he finishes it by saying they were once oppressed and now they're oppressing. And I'm looking at things over social media and I'm looking at how I'm probably going to be portrayed for having this conversation is we're all going to be seen as anti anti-Semitic and, and literally what I am and what I think Dave is, is just like I'm pro black heterosexual Christian man and I'm trying to figure out who are the people that are trying to choke me out. Mm. If you go watch Dave's comedy routine, that's basically what he says. <laughs> Let's make peace. Quit trying to choke me out. I'm just me. Can't I be me? Comfortable with you being you. But whoever it is is trying to choke me out, the black, Heterosexual. I don't know. I think I think Dave has some faith because he talked about his great, great granddaddy that has some faith and he he lives in Ohio and kind of Dave probably has some faith. If he doesn't, I'm going to give him some. And so that the black heterosexual Christian man is being assassinated in this country and no one wants to talk about it. Well, Jason, there's an interesting. Have you seen that commercial, guys, with the
1: Escalade? And it's all black women driving it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm watching this every time I see the Cadillac. The Cadillac. They so, driving my daddy's Cadillac now. I'm just <laughs> yeah. So, uh, as the first time I saw this commercial, it's like there's one lady driving it. And I'm like, hey, a lot of black men love that car. I mean, it's the truth. They love that car because every time I've seen a black person drive that particular model, it's always been a man. And, and they, they all get into a room and they're all powerful and everything like that. And, and I think there was also another corporate initiative where they're going to give $10 billion to black women's businesses. And I'm thinking, that's great. Anything for the men? Nope. They, they want to own business. So I don't know if they're. the, 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 the word I would use at that point is expunge. That's the word I would use. They're trying to expunge that.
2: I don't know. If they, you, you watch TV shows and movies nowadays, and, like, the father figure is always this bumbling fool. So, I mean, it's not even it, it's not even a race issue, really. It's, like, just across the board, they're trying to get rid of masculinity, like I said at the beginning. So, like, there's this idea that men should not be men, and black men specifically. Like So I, I agree with that. Well,
1: I, I, what I found um, refreshing is I was a big fan of the original Wonder Years. Yeah. About Kevin Arnold, Jack Arnold, who I thought was the best character looking back on it. There's a new version. It's called, I think, a re or reboot with Don Cheadle, with the black right. family in Birmingham, yeah. Alabama. In like 1960. 1960. It's it centered around the first episode, the assassination of Martin Luther King. Yeah. Yeah. I actually like this show. And I'm tough on shows. They did a show about an Asian family called Fresh Off the Boat. I thought it was so bad. I wanted to be the iceberg to its Titanic. I just i am not watching it. I thought it was a caricature of a lot of bad things that I just didn't think put us in a great light. This show is actually good. And the first thing that I looked for was it was it going to be a nuclear family. And the father is actually a real man. He has a job. He supports a family. The, the daughter is a militant that she's trying to be real revolutionary. So they obviously have some conflicts. The son is just growing up. The oldest um, son is not in the show because he's in Vietnam. So it's realistic. Mm. But, but I just enjoy the fact that there's actually a strong male figure that runs the family. And I think that alone makes it a good show to me.
0: Mm. Steve, you... you the other points you made, I thought, were right on target in terms of what you're seeing in commercials, uh, particularly just from, and the expungement of the black man from popular culture, and I, I, the, the heterosexual black man from popular culture. And, and I know I'm somewhat repeating myself, but it's like a mystery that has to be solved. Who decided hmm. this? And, and that's where, again, where I go back to why comedians and ministers are so important. We, we and, and, and I hear you and agree with you, Leonidas, in terms of there is an attack on men overall in general, mm. and there's an attack on masculinity overall. But, but there's also, in these wars, there are also front lines. Mm-hmm. And we're on the front line. We're the first getting eviscerated. Now, they're coming for everybody, all men, in my view. But it's like, we, and it's almost like maybe we've been trampled over already and they've moved on. Uh, but, but, see, when you start talking about, oh, they got a fund for black women businesses, mm-hmm. And you'll hear uh, stories about uh, charities for black girls and education. And every study shows and says, like, black women are so far outpacing black boys in education, right. in business opportunities and settings. And it's like. There's no investment in us. And I'm just as a black man. Dave Chappelle, as a black man, has every right to be like, what about us? What happened to us? And, and that when I, I'm just telling, when I think about this comedy special and what the whole message he was trying to get across, he was basically saying, hey, man, all the groups, LGBT, uh, the feminists, sorry to say it, but Jewish people. Y'all are trampling over black men on your way to more power, success, and opportunity. The only thing he did not touch on is that uh, Stacey Abrams, Keisha Lance Bottoms, and all—they're the they're trampling over us too. Everybody's using us as the trampoline, the launching pad. Just jump up and down on the black men and get higher and higher and higher. That's what he was railing against. The—I mean, literally sitting here thinking about. The black woman is the only one he didn't go after, but he pro- because he's married to an Asian woman, he probably didn't feel comfortable uh, doing that, uh, you know. And so he left it to me uh, <laughs> to get. But I, I asked this question. We talked about it before the show. Can feminism and black masculinity can they coexist, Dave? Uh, humorously called himself a feminist in the deal. And he called himself a turf, I, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and I can't, and then he basically said, he goes, well, you know what the feminist movement needs? A male leader. And yeah. <laughs> that was kind of the joke, but he, he was basically saying like, feminism is in the way of black masculinity and masculinity mm-hmm. in general, mm-hmm. I'm gonna throw that grenade. Yes. Uh, feminism can't hardly
2: coexist with anything else at all. And it, definitely not with masculinity. Uh, I mean, feminism, though, feminist activists will say things like, oh, feminism is for everybody. Yeah, it's, for, it's for men too. It's for men too. No. No, it's 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 for the activist. And you see this with these kind of movements. Like they'll say it's for women. They'll say it's for men. They'll say it's for the LGBT people. But it's actually for the activists. It's actually for the people in power and for them to, to, to steamroll everybody else. So the idea that feminism can exist with masculinity, masculinity goes against everything that the feminist activists believe in. They, so they everything that goes against feminism is going to be labeled as toxic and it's going to be wiped out So any kind of idea that the man should be the strong center of the family and that we need the nuclear family and that kids need Fathers and you know all the things that we know from research uh, Feminism is against they're not going to support that they think that women should have the same uh, Be the same as men women are the same and women and men are the same no, they're, they're not but this is the idea behind feminism so like they just can't the ideas be- be- behind traditional masculinity and traditional femininity do not exist in feminism and the two can't the two cannot reasonably coexist
1: jason i think your question should be reframed because feminism will be allowed to exist the question is will black <laughs> masculinity be allowed to exist at all it's really that simple because what we just talked about it, it, never mind if they can coexist. Can black masculinity be allowed to exist at all? I think that's the way the question should be framed.
0: And I'm concerned that it can't. And I think Dave Chappelle is concerned uh, that it can't. Uh, listen, we're going to take a, a break because I want to tell you about my friends at Bonner Private Wines. Uh, for those looking to get away from those bland and boring wines that you've been getting at the supermarket lately, then you need to look forward at our friends at Bonner Private Wines. This group of Americans can bring the best Malbec wines from some of the finest vineyards in Argentina directly to your home. Their wines are perfect for a responsible night with friends at home. They pair amazingly well with steaks fresh off the grill or some fine Italian cuisine. So stop listening to me, brag about them and go order Join their wine club right now. Visit BonnerPrivateWines.com slash fearless and you'll get 50% off the wine and 50% off shipping. Just visit BonnerPrivateWines.com slash fearless. They're great friends and supporters of this show. You should be great friends and supporters of theirs. That's BonnerPrivateWines.com slash fearless. All right, welcome back. Uh, we're going to continue the most fearless discussion of Dave Chappelle's completely fearless uh, comedy special on Netflix, *The Closer*. Uh, if you had to guess, do you think on Monday *The Closer* will still be up on the Netflix <laughs> site? If you had to guess.
1: Yes, it's it's too popular, but it's interesting. I don't. We used to judge things by critics and their reviews. Yeah. Okay. Me personally, I judge it by who's offended. And if certain people are offended, you know which one? I'm going to say that might be worth watching. Because if you look at Rotten Tomatoes, obviously those reviews seem to be very engineered. Yes. Okay. Totally. Um, but if a certain group of people are in, aghast over something or they're so offended by it, that makes me think, okay, that might actually be funny. I, look, it's Dave Chappelle. I almost think he's Elliot Ness. He's untouchable.
0: We will see. I'm not so, there's so much blowback building up. And I looked at like, I looked at my own Twitter feed this morning and saw this rigged, some bot farm had gotten a hold of some tweet that I put out when I, I called like, wow, this is the most courageous and impactful, powerful, blah, blah, blah. And then the next thing you know, I'm getting the same tweet from all these different people that all have 50, 60 followers. And so there's an organized hmm. effort being ginned up to try to cancel this comedy special. I'm not sure if on Monday if this thing hasn't been taken down and Netflix isn't issuing an apology.
2: I, I would probably agree with you. I think the woke mob is really strong at this point, really influential. And the corporate uh, bosses, they, they're going to bow to it. And they've been doing that the whole time, so uh, there's gonna there's, there's gonna be a lot of blowback these next few days. And I, yeah, I think it's going to disappear. The whole the whole site doesn't pull a Facebook and disappear for a while. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so
0: I don't know what happened. I, I don't know. Take, it's, it's like <laughs> this morning when I went to go watch it. Generally, you talk about Dave Chappelle puts out a comedy special. You would think when you logged in, it would be the first thing you see. Saw yeah. them sending. Remember when they put out that that movie about the Central Park Five by Ava DeVar. for like two weeks, every time I logged into Netflix, maybe longer, that was the first thing I saw. You gotta watch the Central Park Five. Yeah. Any of these Netflix deals that are on the agenda, on the right narrative, they just shove down your face and make sure you see it. Dave Chappelle puts out a comedy special and I kinda had to hunt it down on Netflix so they're already halfway, ashamed. and then I keep reading stories. The New York Post has one out where, you know, uh, liberals are blasting it and that everybody's upset. Steve, you, I, I'm just, the thing is so loaded with so many different good <laughs> points. One thing that I missed that you called being Asian was I was like, oh, I, I think he defended Asians. And you were like, no. Nah. <laughs> and the, the whole his little COVID joke went completely over my head. Wait, a minute, I'm Asian.
1: No. But anyway, so I actually give him credit for when, when he's talking about these this anti-Asian thing. And I have an interesting viewpoint on it. it's probably going to get me in a lot of trouble. But hey, we're fearless. I'll get to that later. He actually so
0: get to it now. He, right? actually,
1: he didn't actually blame white supremacy or Trump supporters. And then when he said, what, what's going on in my body, because he's basically calling it the Wuhan flu, which yeah. the mainstream media actually came up with that. They were using it for a quick minute that, hey, I'm a black guy and my antibodies are, are just beating up and assaulting this Asian virus. I thought it was funny. And to get to my point about the Asian hate thing, um, I found it interesting the way they framed it, um, There was a lot. Do I believe that this was about people hating Asians, no matter who was doing it? Do I believe that there are certain black people that just don't like Asians for whatever reasons? Probably, just like there's probably white people that don't like other minorities for whatever reason they have. But I never felt like a target because, number one, I'm not 70 years old. I'm not elderly. And the other thing is there's an old saying from Willie Sutton, who's a criminal. They once asked him, well, Mr. Sutton, uh, why do you rob banks? And he said, easy. It's where the money is. <laughs> so if you are a criminal of any type, if I see an old elderly lady and she's Asian and she's got one of those poodles, I'm thinking, oh, that lady must have money. That's going to be my target. I'm not going after Steve Kim, who's in relatively decent shape, 6'2", 200 pounds. That guy could actually run away a lot faster. Okay. So this is about targeting. What I didn't like from the Asian community is the woe is me, oh my God, we're targets. I thought it made us look weak, made us look feeble. But what was very dishonest about this is, and I saw an Asian group of journalists that I'm in the Facebook group with, they would make these posts about stop Asian hate. And I'm thinking, yeah, stop Asian hate, In fact, stop all. But they would always say, they'd always make sure to mention white supremacy, and the influence of Trump. Yep. And I'm thinking, th- that is the most dishonest thing you can do. And then another thing I did not like is, I wonder, for all of these Asians who have been a victim of this, or their families, or grandmothers, their mothers, who were assaulted or breached in any way, how many of you were chanting and marching for defunding the police last year? Because we have to be honest, when you defund the police in any community, and this has been shown statistically, crime has gone up against everybody See, this is what people don't, it wasn't just Asians where there was a spike. Everyone has become more of a victim of crime in the last 18 months. And so I actually saw on ABC, this is the funniest thing. I turned this off after about five minutes. They did a story about Asian Heritage Month. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm gonna watch this. I guess it's my duty. And they started to get into Asian hate. I'm thinking, okay, let's see how they frame this. And wouldn't you know it, they started to make it about MAGA, and they started Mm -hmm. to make it about white supremacy. And I'm saying to myself, we're, we're not even being honest about this. At all. We're, we're scapegoating people that had nothing to do with this for the most part. So that's the way I look at it. I did not think that Asian hate was about hating Asians. I think it was about vulnerable people who there was a perception that all Asians are rich and that we own, all own liquor stores or we do dry cleaning. It's not necessarily true, okay? And that's what I think happened because if you actually look at the profile of who's being victimized, it, it is the elderly. And that was my view on that whole thing. And I'm glad that at least Dave Chappelle pointed something out. Who was doing the actual assaulting here?
0: I'm going to tell you the other thing he did that was interesting, because you mentioned about demonizing Trump supporters, as if Trump supporters and white people were out targeting Asians. And that's laughable. Asian, uh, particularly Koreans, but Asians have businesses in poor black communities, and they have pretty consistent conflict with the people that live in those communities and they're black and, or maybe Hispanic, but primarily black. And it's dishonest to try to act like yeah, it is Trump supporters are going into Koreatown and killing <laughs> Koreans. That's a joke. But the the thing Chappelle did in this special that, that I also thought went against the grain and it probably went over people's heads uh, is he told that story about being at a bar full of Trump supporters in Ohio. And, you know, he, he kind of rags on Trump supporters. But if you're smart, you're listening and going, well, this is where he chose to go get drunk and to hang out with, said the people there all loved him, and he liked hanging out with them. Clearly, this was a decision he made. Mm-hmm. This wasn't some, oh, I fell in to this bar of Trump supporters. And so he's kind of letting you know where he stands and, and what he's into. He's not some rabid anti-Trump person uh, but, but I, I have to admit, we were talking before you got here when you weren't in the room, Steve. Uh, but when, when he made the joke about the fight inside of his body, me and Leonidas <laughs> didn't get it.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, completely missed it. Yeah. Just completely.
0: Just wasn't.
1: <laughs> you know, you asked, uh, Jay, you said, what part was funny? I was thinking about this. Yeah, what was the funniest part of The one where he said, where the LGBT person was, like, screaming at him uh, because and they made the mean face, right? So there's two things that were really funny. As they panned and they, you saw the backside of Dave Chappelle and you saw the audience in Detroit, they must've been a, a white reflight because there was a lot of white folks in that audience, but there was two that particularly stood out, one with the purple hair and the other person next to her. And when he was making the joke about, one of his riffs about the LGBTQ community his conflict with them and he talked about the mean face. During one of those segments, they went back to that camera shot and that one person had that mean face. Like you could tell she was really triggered Not by that particular <laughs> part of the monologue. I thought that was pretty funny. Uh,
2: yeah, yeah. Oh, well, for me, I think uh, I, what, I, laughed at the tra- <laughs> I laughed at the transgender jokes a lot, That's, <laughs> like, but the, the one I laughed at probably the most was, was to, I think it was like right at the very end when he was telling the story about his, uh, his friend, the, the transgender woman.
0: Yeah, Daphne. And,
2: yeah, Daphne and uh, uh the daughter you know that he was going to when she turned 21 that he was going to give her the money from the from the trust fund and tell her that uh your dad was a great person, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. but, yeah. but the, reason great I, yeah, the reason I yeah the reason I thought it was funny yeah you had a great father but the, the reason I I thought she it was, was so funny was because was yeah that was, it. <laughs> <laughs> he
0: was hell of a woman
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, because, I, because it gets to the truth of uh, uh, of the gender issue that you know like it, you still tell the truth about it but still uh, appreciate the person for who they are and you know like still a good person and like i still see you as a human being uh but you know still tell the truth about the gender issue
1: the other one i liked is with that um that one lgbtq person that was really in his face calls the cops on him, and he said, oh, so when it's all said and done, your Trump card is still being white. So I guess the term is, is she a Garen? Anyway, I had to.
0: couldn't resist, I'm sorry. My, my I love any t- the MLK impressions, impersonations. <laughs> the glory hole? Yeah. <laughs> get up on them floats and get your body all shiny. <laughs> he was basically saying, the stupidity of the women's movement, he was ridiculing them, for their tactics he said you know we're gonna put on the what are you, some kind of pussy hat yeah. or something that was the thing yeah, yeah. yeah. uh that they it's were doing funny. and he did it in mlk's voice i found that hilarious but and it, it's hard to zero in on the most important or impactful thing he said i've already referenced many of them but i thought And it really wasn't a joke, but it was really just like a a really powerful point was was basically when he said, oh, I'm going to tell you exactly who I am. I'm the guy that walked away from 50 million dollars. And it's along these same lines about the feminist movement. he's saying, man, they do all this silly stuff. They hold these little rallies and speeches. He goes, no, if they really want to make change, if they don't want women to be subjected to Harvey Weinstein, why don't y'all rally around some woman executive, some woman agent, support her uh, and do something real? And he's like, and if y'all want to question me, I'm the guy that turned down 50 million dollars. Basically, saying I'm really about this life. Y'all on some B.S. I thought that was really power. No one could miss that point. It couldn't go over anyone's head. It. it, it And he was basically saying a lot of the stuff y'all doing is a joke. It's not really serious. It's a game. I'm out here trying to do real things. And again, I, I, this is probably in the middle of the, of the act. Mm -hmm. And it really, cause at different points, he hit just major themes to stick with you. And, and, and basically his whole act, And what the way he just called out the power structure and the industry and the groups that he's been struggling with. Jewish people, feminist movement, transgender, the gay movement. He went on stage on Netflix and called them all out in a very powerful way. And he's going to deal with all the backlash of that while, you know, y'all want to put on hats and take your shirt off and show everybody your boobs and and not do anything real, I thought that was powerful. Well, I referenced it last week. It's the WNBA and the NBA last
1: year. One thing they didn't do was actually walk off the job. They still wanted to collect their salaries. They wanted to wear the T-shirts. They wanted to do the hashtags. They wanted to kneel for the anthem. The other powerful moment I thought was really poignant was how Daphne wrote a tweet defending Dave, saying, this guy's good. He's helped me. He's a good individual lay off him, or at least give him a fair shot. But to me, he's a good human being. And six days later, this was a stunning end, the way he ended this, how she committed
0: suicide. Mm-hmm. And so how it was their Harshly own... In- because of the harassment she faced. Right. right.
1: So it's their, her own tribe, for lack of a better term, and their intolerance to one of their own that led to her demise. I, I thought that was a powerful ending.
2: One of the things I always talk about is that progressives don't actually believe what they say they believe. So these ideas, so you talk about the transgender community that attacked Daphne, uh, another transgender person. So all the stuff that they talk about. That leads, you know, they talk about words or violence. Like you can't do that to a transgender person, they might commit suicide. All that goes out the window the minute you step out of line. And we see that as as racial minorities. They when you have when you step out of line with a particular narrative, then you're attacked as an Uncle Tom or a coon or whatever it might be. And they don't actually believe in these narratives that they push. But The tribalism aspect is the part that I found to be the most compelling out of the whole thing, because, yeah, like we do have our tribes and a lot of times we allow that to really take over who we are at the at the sacrifice of rational thought, right? So like we go with the tribe, even if it's against our personal values and morals, or if we even have any, you know, because <laughs> a lot of people do not, they just go with the flow. Um, but what he was talking about, and he, he, he mentioned it a little bit, he said that like, she was a comedian. She was part of my tribe. It transcended mm-hmm. the transgender stuff. and and there was some commonality there. And she had a quote, um, what what did she say? I need you to believe that I'm having a human experience. And that to me encapsulates everything because I, I mentioned it already, but people are human beings. Like, yeah, we have these different tribes and we have these different categories that we fit into, but at the end of the day, we're human beings and we need to see each other
0: as human beings. Very powerful and Dave this again why I call it a great essay and you know it really was a piece of art what he put together for those 70 some odd minutes and and cuz basically he's saying you know that's what black people have been trying to say is like hey we're part of the human experience no different than anybody else and his story about Daphne and about her Having a human experience and even though it's a flawed one or you may see it as a flawed one It's a human experience humans go through what? Daphne went through it It made me empathetic towards transgender people it it doesn't make me think we need to change all of our laws and rules because of my empathy for them because and and people will hear this as a joke, but I'm being very serious when I say this. You all should be empathetic about my weight problem. But that does not mean we should require airlines to make wider seats. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, it's and again, you can sit there and say, well, Jason, you can lose weight and you can correct blah, blah, blah. And and, but but no, I say, you know, my desire for food, fast food, junk food, whatever, is is something in my head, some feeling that I have that's maybe no different than the feeling in your head that you're actually a woman in a man's body and blah, blah. We all get dealt a set of realities, desires, they all have consequences. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna have to either correct and tame my desires and lust for food, or I'm going have to deal with the consequences. And so I don't think we can build a society based around people's desires and feelings. And we can't come up, oh, well, because people feel this way or they have this desire. We must change all the rules so that everybody's feelings and desires are met. Because literally there are people that feel like they're dogs or cats or cows. And we can't say, well, because this person feels (laughs) like a cow, we got to... Yeah. Pretend to pump milk from their male breast, or we got to, you know, uh, we just can't do it. Yeah. I'm sorry. I've got just I got to squeeze into a, a seat on Southwest Airlines. I'm not the most comfortable for those two, three, four hours, whatever it is. I got to deal with that, and I, I know it sounds like I'm trivializing, but I'm really not. I'm just trying, you know. Great societies, societies societies that work, have a set of rules and laws that work for most people. And everybody else has to make some adjustments. And we all have to make adjustments. You, you may think your adjustment is more extreme than mine. But again, I am empathetic uh, towards Daphne and People that feel that way, uh, but I stand on the fact that the society that the single society that has worked the best was based on biblical ba- values principles, and that worked, and it does work, and it it won't be trumped by the woke or the left or the social justice warriors who think they're smarter than God and think they can come up with some rules and regulations that are better than the ones found in the Bible, never gonna convince me of that. Uh, did, I, did I get to everything I wanted? To, oh, no, I wanted to ask you all. Uh, and before this, I would have never gone here. <laughs> but Dave Chappelle called himself the GOAT and after that, he called himself the GOAT in this performance of The Closer And after that performance, I'm going to give him GOAT status. Is he the greatest comedian of all time? I'm going to hedge. He's in the Mount Rushmore. Who's on your Mount Rushmore?
1: I I would say Richard Pryor. No. Eddie Murphy. Dave Chappelle. And I'm going to look for a fourth, but I want to put this in context. Last year, Dave did the special. I think it was called 846. and He was talking about... The George Floyd incident that I I was not a fan of that. I turned that off quickly. I equate that to when Michael Jordan came back and got the ball ripped by Nick Anderson in 95. (laughs) And I'm thinking, uh oh, uh oh, this here, what he just did was the three peat, the last dance. So he redeemed himself. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know if he lost his place ever on my Mount Rushmore. His body of work is too good going all the way back to the Chappelle show, which I thought was very clever even when it didn't deal with social issues. So he's definitely in the Mount Rushmore. I'd have to think of that fourth guy, though. I,
0: I'm going to give you an easy layup. It's got to be, and again, it wasn't my particular style of humor, but Seinfeld has to be on Oh, Jerry, yeah. Um, hmm. He's had way too much success, way too much reach not to be on somebody's comedic route, Mount Rushmore. Again, it's not my cup of tea. I, I watched a little Seinfeld. I enjoyed it, but... You know. I'm stunned that a black guy said they didn't like Seinfeld. That's <laughs> that is stunning. Okay, death like, taxes. Like a black Seinfeld. guy says, I'm "Not a Seinfeld fan." Okay, I'm not saying I'm not a Seinfeld. It, it wasn't it wasn't my cup of tea, but I'm not gonna disrespect uh, I the mean, man. What was what,
1: yeah. more in abundance? Uh, black cast members or friends or black people that like Seinfeld? That, <laughs> <laughs>
0: You, gonna... you got a calculator? That... Yeah,
1: okay. yeah. I'm just yeah, because a <laughs> <laughs> small one.
0: Is he the goat?
2: Ah, uh, my goat, and let's let's leave the recent events aside. But Bill Cosby is oh, my greatest of all. Time.
0: Holy cow! The most controversial <laughs> thing that's said on the show fearless. is at the very What's end.
2: Cause fearless. Wow. <laughs> <Fearless. laughs> <laughs> Cosby's my favorite comedian of all time, and, uh, and you know that that says nothing about his personal life and the things that the things that happen. Of course, I'm not co-signing that, but comedy-wise, that is mu- that's much more in my lane. Like his his comedy was on point. Uh, Dave Chappelle's I mean he's he's a great comedian. Like I said, he's just not my gotcha. not my hmm. not my type, so, man.
0: Uh, the the woo I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> uh, who would be number two? I don't know. And that's uh-oh. a good
2: question. I mean, I, I like Eddie Murphy and Richard Pryor's good stuff. All right. All right. Stuff. Um,
0: all right. Uh, so I, I'm not, you know, I like the Cosby Show, yeah. the, the later one. I the Cosby Kids, Fat Albert, all that was. But Bill Cosby never. But I'm far more profane, raw than Bill Jason, Cosby. Jason, did you
1: watch the Cosby Show? Yeah. I thought it was a great show. I have more appreciation. I know you're not allowed to say it now. And there's still a few networks that actually air the reruns. And I don't binge watch it as much as I do Different World, which I've been doing like last three months. I've been trying to catch up to everything. But the Cosby show, I, I still distinctly remember. I'm this Asian kid growing up in East L.A., suburban family. But I remember at the end, there started to be like real criticism that it was. Two, it was, think about this. It showed black families in an unrealistic light. Do you remember yeah, the criticism yeah, uh, of that? I always found they that. They actually the, loved each other. <laughs> <laughs> right. They lived in a
0: nice house in a brown yeah. And I'm like, well, oh, okay. No one killed anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm thinking to myself, that well, was... wasn't Bill doing crack. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I Very caught Very strange criticism uh, when yeah, you look yeah, back yeah. at it. I can't believe Claire, you know, she wasn't hooking on the side. (laughs)
2: That's awful. Yeah, that was
0: was what was good about the
2: Cosby Show. I mean, they didn't, the the Cosby Show wasn't about race, it was just about family. 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 Right, and it just happened to be about a black family.
0: Well, I'll say once you throw in the Cosby Show, Your your decision on Bill actually makes more sense. It's more defensible. I can, <laughs> it's more
2: defensible. It's like a legitimate.
0: legitimate opinion. And again, and I do I respect the fact because I do think his comedic career can be judged without throwing in his personal life, yeah. which you know is worthy of criticism. But as a you comedian and what he represented you're a thousand percent right. I am calling Dave the GOAT because I've never seen a performance like the one he just gave. I've never, at a critical time in American history when there's an obvious culture war, and I've criticized Dave, but when he came on Saturday Night Live after the election, I thought, I thought it was horrible, I thought it was dishonest. I thought it was- uh, Man, I'll disagree, you didn't like that skit. Where he, him and his
1: other black cast member were at a house of white liberals who knew Trump was not going to win the 2016 election. <laughs> and as the night went on, the white people were like, oh, he's oh <laughs> winning. And then two, hours like, oh, my God, he's winning. And, 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 like, and one of the white liberals said, this is the worst thing to happen in American history. And Dave goes. That's really the worst thing
0: America has done? Is elect Trump? I
1: mean, it was a funny joke. I thought I thought that was actually a The monologue a was
0: horrendous. Well, oh, that was horrendous. Yes. And I thought it was dishonest. And again, it's like he was far more honest in this comedy special in turn. Dave's living in Ohio in Yellowstone or whatever. Is it Yellowwood yellow or Yellow Yellow so, Springs. Yellow, Springs, yellow Springs. Springs. Around a, you know, cut it out. Don't, don't act like you living in Trump country. <laughs> And you run around with Trump people, but you're going to get on Saturday Night Live and play that. So I didn't like that this here, Man, Godspeed to uh, Dave Chappelle, an important comedian, important person, uh, created the space for us to have this conversation we just had today. If you can find this conversation anywhere else. Please let me know, because I want to see it. I want to watch it. Everybody else is going to distort what Dave did. Everybody else is going to call him an anti-Semite. They're going to call him a homophobe, a transphobe. Everybody else is going to try to assassinate this man's character. I'm talking about in the the mainstream media, corporate media, and and even even some people in independent media or whatever. They're all going to be afraid to to address (laughs) and discuss any of that. We just had the realest conversation on it. Thank you guys so much. And before we go, uh, and I can't believe now that I look at my, I got an approval uh, rating score uh, for uh, Dave. All three of us actually do. Uh, So in job performance, if you've been listening uh, to me on this show, I have no choice but to give him a perfect 25 in job performance. Uh, Dave just crusted. You couldn't do any better than what he just did. Uh, Steve, uh, job performance.
1: You know, after 1846, I referenced, he was probably at like a 15. Uh, but now this this reminds me of Nas when he did like Illmatic. He was great. First couple. Then he did You Owe Me. I hated that song. He had a couple bets. Now this is him coming back with stillmatic. So he has bounced back. He's back with the lost tapes. He's at a twenty-four. Mm. Uh, Leonidas, top so, performance. Yeah, so so again, it's
2: it's not my cup of tea. Yeah. But what we talked about at the beginning, the importance of comedy and what comedy is supposed to do, mm. uh, particularly on a political level, I think he did a very good job at that. Um, and the audience was into it. He did his job as a comedian. He's obviously a master of his craft. I mean, even though I'm, even though it's not my style, but I can appreciate what he does. So I gave him a twenty.
0: Uh, character, uh, I, I, at one point again, I was down on Dave's character after he, I felt sold out on Saturday Night Live, but now I'm back up. Uh, Dave's character's really high. I, t- I think it took a lot of courage to say, you know, the only thing I knock him I, I, Dave is so good, he doesn't need the n-word to <laughs> make people laugh. And so that's where I take off one point, and I gave him a 24 in character. Yeah, I gave him a 24
1: because I actually know some mutual friends that know him. They speak very highly of him, and he's a boxing fan. So anyone that's a boxing fan is good with me, 24.
2: Mm. Yeah, I, t- I took off uh, more points than just one for, <laughs> for the, excessive, <laughs> use <of> the <laughs> excessive use of the N-word. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, just, in, just in general um, – like, be, because he's that's not my style of comedy, and you know the way that he approaches issues is not how I would approach them. Um, I don't agree with the a United.
0: Lot of St- Let me break some news to you. You're not a comedian. No, thank you. <laughs> thank you for that. I <laughs> <want> to, <laughs> You to say Bitch, every other word, the way Dave does.
2: Thank you for that. I was yeah. worried about it, um, but it, I don't agree with a lot of the ways that he does things. So I I I think he has a lot of stuff he needs to work on. Character wise, mm. personally. Mm. Uh, I don't want to make that kind of judgment. Like toward him, you know, judging people. But
0: since we're doing the scorecard, we got to do the scorecard, Leonidas. Fifteen. Remind what's on the back of that card. (laughs) Fearless. Right.
2: I'm just saying. He ain't scared. I'm just saying. I'm just wanting to know, making judgments about people without fixing yourself. You know, the whole thing. Well, we'll
0: we'll do an approval rating on you. Okay. Make you feel better. Authenticity. We got. You gave him a fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah. Authenticity. Uh, I think he's back being very authentic. Uh, you know, I'm t- before this special, I probably would have had him at a 2 in authenticity. Now I have him all the way at a 23. Michael Jordan.
1: Uh, I'm with you, but I, I actually want a full 25 to do something of that nature, to hit on so many subjects and to poke at the bear. Several of them takes guts. That's authentic, 25.
2: Yeah, I, I thought that he was uh, he was very authentic. He didn't come off as false to me. Uh, he was most I gave him a 20 uh, and, <laughs> that just may be my bias coming through again but but Not I Not quite I, as authentic as I felt like he was he the, that's exactly right <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> but I mean like some I felt like th- there were times where he was he was ragging like we talked about the uh tribalism thing there were times where he was ragging on that but it's felt like he was leaning into it something quite a bit as well so there's a little bit of hypocrisy happening throughout the throughout the segment throughout yeah. the the special yeah, so it 20- is a tough critic I know
0: <laughs> it factor uh I'm only going to go as high as 20. Dave smoked cigarettes and, you know, I did like his suit this time. Uh, I liked his suit. I don't know how I felt about the particular style of tennis shoes. Yeah, the white on. shoes, didn't like that. I, I don't know how I felt about that. So didn't, you know, a 20, which is a high score for It Factor, uh, you know, they, I, I love the fact that, you know, he can be seen out and about around Ohio and hangs out with the people. But so. Give him a 20 idiot factor. I, I, I'm a sycophant today. I gave him a 25. He, anytime he performs,
1: you circle with the red pen. Uh, honestly, you do. And, like, uh, being around him at fights, I know people that have sat next to him. He'll just talk about the fights, and he actually knows more than, well, you, Jason, you know, like, two boxers. He actually knows at least <laughs> 20 of them. So right there, again, the whole boxing angle, he's got the it factor. I'm going to go 25.
0: He talked about beating up a woman in a club in this deal, so he does seem to like fighting. He's counterpunching, though. He's counterpunching.
1: He was not the aggressor. Self-defense.
0: Yeah. yeah self-defense. Uh,
2: I actually gave him a 25. for if. I, I think it's more the Dave Chappelle factor because yeah. he's Dave Chappelle, so the it factor's kind of baked into who he is. Uh, if he was a brand-new comedian coming out and doing this set, it may be different, but since he's Dave Chappelle, you know, he has he has that factor. All
0: right. I've got him at a 92, blazing hot. Steve agrees with him, has Chappelle blazing hot, and Leonidas being the wet blanket. Has <laughs> smoke show uh i get you know i guess bill cosby's blazing hot <laughs> all right let's roll tomorrow and let's get out of here and we will uh see you tomorrow this is probably one of my favorite shows i love i thought what Chappelle did was so important i'm glad we had this conversation i, I may i'm going to reach out i think to a couple of local comedians we may continue some of this conversation tomorrow um uh, but anyway, we'll, we'll see you tomorrow.
1: No negotiation, my
0: system, no relation. We all just want to have freedom. Sitting on the corner, never been alone. I'm breaking my back for freedom. Bless, we are
2: living, get back. We are receiving, all when We all want to be free. We
1: want freedom. I just want...
2: I wanna beat I just want. I wanna beat I just want. I wanna be. I just want. I wanna be, I just want. I-